Ironing is good for the soul. I believe that because every time I do ironing, I fall into a sort of meditative state. Today, I'm in a hurry. So it won't be such a spiritual experience today. Oh my God. Oh my God, I put the iron down on top of the shirt and a huge amount of water spurted out. I'm using a steam iron. Goodness knows how that happened. That's never happened to me before. Never. Yeah, I would like to... There was a time when I could iron 10 shirts in 10 minutes. But I'm not in that much of a hurry. I like to remember that I was once the, the ironing champion of North Circular Road in Limerick. competed in the World Championship. I was beaten by somebody who was a left-hander and I just don't understand how come you can be beaten by a left-hander. But he actually had a custom-made iron. So I think I always thought he had an unfair advantage. Thing is, there are very few, I nearly said ironing scopes, but ironing, uh, ironing anchors, ironing episodes on anchor. And I haven't yet checked lemur to see if anyone has recorded a cast of themselves ironing. Now, those of us who iron, especially men who iron, we are a we are discriminated against. I mean, when's the last time you saw any man who does ironing featured on the on the news? When's the last time a man who does earning was elected to Parliament? Yeah. So many people over here in Ireland outsource their earning to a woman. And I think it is a matter of human rights, really. I mean, that kind of discrimination, you know, it starts out with you're being discriminated against, uh, sort of, sent to Coventry being, sort of, that's one hour, one shirt done. Um, I might as well stick to the white shirts first. Yeah, you, you, discrimination starts somewhere. As we all know. And you know what? 
When everything happened about the Me Too movement, I wondered if it was possible to have an Iron Too movement. There is, of course, a book called Iron Man by a man with a beard who used to go into the woods, his name will come back to me in a minute, in California and hug trees. Oh yeah, Robert Bly. Poet, writer. I imagine while he was ironing trees, he didn't have time to hug shirts. I can take no credit for that. That was a Freudian slip. I think too many people, when they're doing ironing, and this is a tip I'll give you, men, I, I kind of assume women know all these things, uh, or women who iron know all these things. Perhaps I'm being prejudiced. Perhaps I'm ironist. But he's, uh, don't spend much time ironing me. But if you're in Ireland, let's say, this is not a tip for people in... New Mexico, people in Arizona, people in Southern California. This, this won't work for you. But don't spend much time ironing the back of the shirt. Yeah, in Ireland, the backs of shirts are, are hidden underneath. I have a shirt on. The back of it, nobody will ever see. The white shirt. It's even a short sleeve shirt, which is kind of ridiculous because it's chilly outside. But it was the only iron shirt that I had earlier this morning. That's the second shirt iron. Now let's bring a bit of color into my life. This one has got red, blue, white and black. Oh. And the, some of the lining or something, whatever you call those extra bits they put on shirts, is orange. Oh, and the buttons are kind of, well, what would you call them? Ivory, but then, by the way, I am against uh, killing elephants to get their trunks and uh, selling ivory, just in case you jump to the conclusion that I'm one of these people who have ivory buttons on my shirt. That was a colour I was talking about. I think it's very important to clarify things because in this multicultural world, people can take you literally and jump to conclusions. So, my advice to in fact, both men and women who do ironing, if you're going to talk while you're ironing and record, be careful what you say. I mean, you may have your focus and attention on creases and getting rid of them. And that can lead you to taking your mind off your mouth.
Oh, that isn't a member of the family singing or practicing in the background. No. That's some opera singer who died years ago. Do you know opera singers die? I mean, they're not like the Rolling Stones. Opera singers die. Rolling Stones are coming to Ireland. And I think that would be an event at which I wouldn't wear an iron shirt. I mean, there are... I'm not one of these obsessives. I'm going to do a blue and white shirt now, a blue and white check. Bought in Nordstrom in... Bought in Nordstrom in, Cal in not California, in Chicago. Yeah, on the morning, I think, or was it evening? Yeah, it must have been morning. Uh, bef the morning I went to the um, Genius Shared uh, Conference or gathering or congregation or confluence. Phenomenal group of people. Included uh, Jane Boyd, who has been known to make audio. Well, that's me being a bit trite. Jane Boyd is a great audio person and was the host with Roger Overall on the Business Jazz Podcast Season 2. But she lives just a little bit south of Vancouver. But I met her for the first time in Chicago. I met Liz Strauss. I met, oh, who else? I met Leslie McClellan, who I had either previously met in Cork, I think it was, or else subsequently met in Cork. God, problem. I met Molly, Molly McRae? No, no, no. Becky McRae. Becky, McCray, Molly. Oh dear, this is terrible. And then just immediately after the the conference, Genius after Genius shared, she went to meet Michelle Obama in the White House because she uh, has run and is still running, as far as I know, a not-for-profit in Chicago. If it's outside Chicago, in which. Uh, they provide cars to women. They actually provide cars. Now, I don't know if they give them the car to own it or lend it to them, but what a great idea to give somebody mobility. The transformation, I mean, Chicago is, well, actually, I nearly said Chicago is not a place to be getting public transport, but Chicago is one of the, has one of the best uh, metros, sir. RER, I think it's called. I'm not sure what that even stands for. But <laughs> I was a fool when I was in Chicago. I took 11 taxi journeys before I realized that the metro in, in uh, Chicago was not difficult to understand. The unintended consequence of spending that extra money, because the metro in Chicago is not expensive, 
but the cost of the taxis were, I don't know what it was, about $15 a go to go from Logan Square into the place where Genius Shared was held. But I took 11 taxi rides and 11 of the drivers, each of the drivers was from a different country of origin. Oh, it was just fantastic. And there was even a, when I think about it, a driver from Tibet. From the, no, no, yeah. God, I get confused. Nepal. That's not Tibet. No, Nepal. Um, somebody from Liberia. Somebody from Mexico. There was uh, nobody. Oh, there was uh, somebody from the United States. There was nobody from Ireland. Nobody from Ireland drove any of the taxis that I took in Chicago. Oh, by the way, this is a blue, white, and brown shirt. Squares, check. And this might be might be my favourite shirt of all. So much a favourite that I am I'm wearing it to the last legs. You know, I've had it for years. Do you remember, do you remember that? that a, a shirt you were ironing as a gains a hold over you. by the iron and the cat stays away. I've got a hole. I've got a hole in the sleeve down near the cuff. Also the cuff is a bit frayed. But you know what? They're like lines and wrinkles on a human face. They show character. Having said that, have you ever ironed out the wrinkles on your face? I hope not. This is a pinpoint Oxford, made by Gant. I think, generally speaking, generally speaking, Gant are a good company. Do you have an opinion about them? Okay. I think that's five shirts. I think I'm going at about half speed, if you like. But I'd be breathless and the iron is hot by the way. I'm sure you can hear it a bit of it. Oh, I'm going to play this out loud.
Chile, I bet. Scoundrel, by the way. He's like Harvey Weinstein. Or Stein. Stein, yeah? power there. Sexual assault is what he's into. Irish tenor of all time. Thank you. 
one of John McCormack's greatest abilities was his breath. Now, even that song shows off his ability to hold a note. But uh, if you ever want to hear him sing an astonishing holding of note, uh, boot up Don Giovanni and uh, find the aria in Mia Tesoro. And that will nearly take your breath away how long he can hold his breath on a nose. Yeah. I'm thinking about the debate, ongoing debate, about the value of background music when you're talking on a piece of audio. Do I sound better the way I am talking now? Or this way? Am I... Which is a better experience for you? While learning, this is a better experience for me that I can have a bit of background music, but that's not the issue. Maybe the only person whose background music, and this is a maybe rather than for sure, whose background music I have liked a lot is sometimes uh, Robert Neal's Oh, God, I love this. Franz Lehar's music. German singer. No one sounds like Richard Tauber. He has such a distinctive voice. And uh, he's another one of my favourite tenors of all time. Oh, he sings uh, a lot of operetta. Um, but he sings, he sings opera as well. He's a lovely singer of Mozart. But I'll bet you anything, 
he's never sung a piece of Wagner. Although there is one uh, piece of Wagner's writings that I think would be lovely to hear Tauber do it. And it's the Price song in Die Meistersinger from Nuremberg. The Master Singer from Nuremberg. There's a piece there which is a, there's a competition in that, in that opera. Basically to win the hand of a, a woman. And this young upstart who has no respect for the rules of traditional singing in Germany at the time we're talking about probably 13th, 14th century. That's where the opera is set. It's the only opera I know where there is a, a cobbler who has a big part. And there's great laughter in it when who is like obsessively keen to preserve the, the rules of his own singing is absolutely awful but keeps the rules and there's a piece in there which is again one of my favourite tenorarias um, in the last act of the Meistersingers. The first half of the last night. Where this young guy, who has no respect at all, is kind of told by Hans Zacks, who's the wise man, a bit like Gandalf actually, although he's not a musician. There's a statue of Hans Zacks in the square in Nuremberg. I went to Nuremberg once. I went to the, what do you call it, the pre-Christmas market. Kinder, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember. Anyway, I went there and I was very pleasantly surprised to see Hans X in the central square. One of these wonderful characters. He's a sort of, I would say, bass baritone part. I don't think tenors are ever wise in opera. Like they're often the, well, they're mostly the hero. They die a few times, like in Tristan and Isolde. They, um, and in some other ones. But they're seldom wise. I can't think of a wise tenor. Wisdom usually comes from baritones and basses.
Why should that be? I think it's obviously, well, it's obvious. It's about gravitas, isn't it? Would you accept or would you take in wisdom from a high-pitched voice? A squeaky, high-pitched voice? Who kept you on edge all the time because he might or yeah, miss, miss, uh, miss the high note? And in case you think that tenors that you'd see in an opera house are so good that they'd never miss the high note, I tell you differently. I was at a performance of Rigoletto uh, one night in Covent uh, Garden. And the tenor missed the really high note in uh, Rigoletto, the count. a little gasp, certainly out of me. Mr. Tenor has to carry on. There's more to come after the high note, I think. But anyway, the action moves on anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that tenor, whose name I can't remember at all, I would tell you if I knew. The other thing that tenors do when there's a risk of that is that the, the part is transposed down. That means that instead of it being, instead of a person having to sing up to a certain note, they have to sing up to a lower note. Well, the other way tenors can hit high notes is to, is to uh, do a sort of falsetto. Singers, like actors, kind of cheat all the time. I mean, not all singers cheat, don't get me wrong. Not all actors cheat. But do actors remember every line of Julius Caesar, every line of Hamlet? Do they remember every line of... I pick Shakespeare's plays, really. No, they don't. Just as concert pianists don't hit every note that is written down in, in the music. There's a super book called Never Too Late by John Holt, educationalist, very popular in the 60s. And I remember buying a book of his, which was called Never Too Late, it's his own musical autobiography. And he, well he goes through all the different instruments that he tried in his life, and basically how he, he failed to stick with one the whole way until he had a breakthrough. The breakthrough was that he realized that he had to stop trying to 
fit the cello into his life. And he had to fit his life around the cello. I think it was a cello that he finally came to. He'd done all lots of other ones. But the, he made a great point. He said he was in somewhere like, we'd say, the Carnegie Hall one night. And he saw one of the greatest uh, pianists ever. It may have been Solomon, actually. I'm not sure. I don't think it was Snobble. But anyway, it was Solomon. Let's say it was Solomon. Um, and he knew a piece of music. I think he was uh, played piano at the time himself. And he knew a particular piece of music backwards. And he heard Solomon make mistakes. He heard Solomon play different notes than were in the score. He was shocked, completely taken aback. He, he thought, oh my God, I know all these. How come Solomon doesn't know them all? And the breakthrough for him was realizing, and I can't remember if it was that somebody told him this or he realized it, is that Solomon on a piano recital, I guess this applies to everything, was not uh, there to play every note. That was not Solomon's ambition. That was not his. His ambition was to make music. Now, that didn't mean that he, you know, played the first um, six notes of a Chopin nocturne and then decided to break off into his own ad lib. But, that was what needed to be considered. The ability of Solomon to make music. And that's why uh, pianists are, are different from one another. It's not that they actually play different notes, really. But it's the way they play the notes. The phrasing temple, pitch, even the volume. This is the last shirt. So I've taken maybe three times as long now. So you know, I wouldn't get placed in a speed in a speed ironing competition anymore. And by the way, in case you're wondering, yes, uh, downhill skiing is a sport. Curling is a sport, but uh, ironing shirts is not in the Olympics, but it can be a really good sport, depending upon what you make of it. Thanks a million for listening. Oh my God, 36 minutes. Wow, 36 minutes. The most enjoyable learning session I've had on audio.